0: If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at at liveonfourlegspodcastgmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod.
1: We go. You're listening to Live
0: on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr.
2: Stone gotcha. fucking camera in the
1: truck Mr. Boom Gaspar! You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why don't you?
0: Hey, everybody. Now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and it's August. That means Wrigley Month is in our rearview mirror, and now we're back to bigger and better things, as today we kind of... Look to doing a couple other things that uh, that we were doing in the past. We're going to do some Patreon requests today from two of our patrons. This is going to be very interesting that we have two different perspectives from this show in 2006, San Francisco Night Three, and uh, we'll talk about all three nights uh, inter- intertwined with all this. And and the rest of the month we're going to get back to our Around the World series too. So I'm not. You know we're we're still trying to intertwine that in the episode. So uh, if you're expecting England and Ireland, yeah, those are those are coming pretty soon. But we wanted to get a Patreon show in for this week. So Randy Sobel here, John Ferrar over there. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi, and uh, we uh, we're gonna this is this is gonna be a packed house today. We uh, usually don't have four people on, but this is gonna be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, you'd think after that huge month, the Wrigley month that we had, we'd be primed for a letdown. But we're just keeping it going, man. This oh is, yeah, you know, <laughs> night three, like one of these kind of album, like tours where they're they're premiering new stuff and stuff's going on. Yeah, this this is a night three show. Those are those are rare, but this is a good one.
0: Absolutely. So. uh Uh, we are going to introduce Brian and Sean just a second, but, uh, Brian and Sean are here because they donate to our Patreon. So that's part of the Patreon package guys. If you have a show in mind that you have been listening to, to us talk about other shows and you're just like, when are you getting to, I don't know, night, night two, in tampa bay 2005 i'm making shit up that doesn't exist uh but if you're thinking that in your mind the best way is to just go to patreon.com slash live on four legs and donate to the show and john what else do you get along with that it's it's a pretty big package over there
3: yeah, we have a lot of exclusive episodes over there. We've been doing our Evolution episodes where we take one song and really dig deep into its live history, talk about where it went and how it got there. Then we've got our, our Bridge School series where we've been going over all of the acoustic shows that they've done for the Bridge School. Those have been fantastic. A lot of rare stuff gets played over there if you want to hear us talk about that. And then we do kind of our, our Devo episodes, kind of our fun things where we let our hair down and talk about you know lists and kind of a little more lighthearted topics than we usually get into on the show. But yeah, thanks everyone. Who's, who's been donating. Did did we have a new patron? We needed to mention one or two, right?
0: Uh, yes, we do have one, uh, Danny King. Thank you, Danny. Danny is is now a new patron. So, and she will be getting a mask at some point soon. I'm, I'm almost, I'm down to the, to, I'm down to the bottom here. I have like maybe two or three left. So, there are one or two patrons that haven't gotten in touch with us for the mask yet. And I'm going to give them another week or so. And if they don't get in touch with us, then we'll make another batch. And, uh, perhaps, you know, we will find a way to get it to non patrons too. But right now we, uh, we want to give something to the patrons as a, as a thank you for joining in. So, um, as, as I'm looking at it right now, his, uh, his avatar, Sean, you're wearing the, uh, live on four legs, mask in your avatar. And I know Brian, you just posted, a picture your mask today, so let's introduce them: Sean Raskus and Brian Anderson, both patrons for a while now. So, uh, welcome to the show, you guys!
2: Yeah, thanks
4: uh, for making room for us in your virtual studio.
0: Yeah, thanks for setting this up, guys. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, this is this is pretty big. Like John was saying, you know, you don't usually get a night three, but you get San Francisco a, a good one, and and San Francisco hadn't had. A show in in 11 years am i right about that is is that is that correct the last show was
4: uh that was the uh, pool fields where eddie got sick and neil young had to come on 95
0: that's right that's crazy that's crazy because of that that they didn't go back i know they went and booked san jose for later that that fall but it's crazy that they didn't go back altogether to san francisco in, in one of those years
4: yeah i you know and i um uh, i've seen them a lot at the shoreline and uh i was at that golden gate uh show and uh you know it was a little surprising at at the end of the show um when people uh booed um you know the fact that you know the show could have been canceled but neil young was there and came on and they and they played a whole a whole show uh, but a lot of fans booed the fact that uh Eddie was sick and couldn't play that was uh, I think the band may have been pretty angry um, about that I think and I remember I think it was Jeff came on at the end and kind of chastised the the fans for
0: yeah uh, for
2: booing yeah
0: that that i mean we'll save you for that episode for sure (laughs) because that's (laughs) That's got to come come up at some point but um yeah that that's kind of crazy that that, that's the first time this this little string of three shows but that's that's them saying they know what's up and they want to give back to uh to a good city that hasn't had much uh going on Pearl Jam wise in, in the few years. So Sean, you went to all three nights, Brian you went to two. Uh we'll start with sh- sh- Sean just your first night and and just kind of kind of put it all together what it was like being there for all three.
4: Yeah, and so just add a little background. I I um took my little brother and when I say little brother, this is through the Big Brothers Big Sisters program and um, kind of felt like I had introduced him a little bit to music as he was growing up. Um, and when these shows came around that they were going to do three shows in San Francisco and it actually, um, the f- first night actually landed on his birthday and I thought it'd been cool. I think he was probably, I think he was turning 14, uh, to be 14 and go to three Pearl Jam shows out of four nights, um, you know, and uh, he was ecstatic and loved that. And we were, were um, up in Sacramento, so... Um, you know, we drove in, uh, for the first night and, uh, just stayed at a place right next to, uh, the uh, auditorium and, uh, um, you know, we had the, had the, uh, tickets for the 10 club line. So it was, uh, back when they were, at least for this auditorium, it was, the floor is just a general admission, um, and then seating. And so they had a special line for, uh, 10 club members that would be, I think if they had an extra hour to get in before the general public um, to get their spots where they wanted. So we tried to get, I think, in line at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours before doors opened. And and already it was was snaking around um, the auditorium. But, you know, kind of did your standing in line and connecting with other Pearl Jam fans in the 10 Club line um, was cool. And then getting in and, you know, just kind of getting up into your spot um, for the show and they were pretty you know the, when the band came on after sonic youth uh, oh actually i mean backing up to this is the you know the tour i don't know if it was this tour and the other tours were eddie came out first and played a song um and right. went back and then they had sonic youth come and and open um and he came out and uh did dead man walking um which is just really cool we were you know obviously we were there early enough to catch that and uh um, but once Pearl Jam came on, it was, you know, they had, they were full energy and the crowd was, was just going, uh, berserk and, you know, a lot of, not like a mosh pit back from the nineties, but it, it was pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty active, uh, down the pit with, with the songs going back and forth. And so we were, uh, we were kind of about middle of the way of the pack, uh, on the GA for, for most of the show.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be a theme for these shows. It feels like it feels like night two was a little bit rough in there too, and I know Brian, you had a little bit of an experience where it was kind of it was kind of rocky. So talk about night two and and just being in the pit that one.
5: Yeah, so for night two, being in the pit, uh, it was actually pretty incredible because we actually got really lucky where we were in between kind of um, Mike and Eddie, but we actually moved a bit closer to the center and there was like a part where it was kind of parted and Eddie came to do last kiss and it ended up being like right next to my brother and I. And so it was super sweet cause Eddie was kind of in the crowd. So everybody was swarmed around and he sung last kiss and the whole building was going nuts at the time. And unfortunately, like I had one of those little razor flip phones, but I don't have the footage anymore. It's on some little tiny drive or something that i don't have access to but i had that part filmed for sure and that was just like mind-blowing being that close to uh, eddie vetter and it was only my my second real pearl jam show and so that really just blew my mind
0: well, when you say real pearl jam show what what, what what's what's that all about uh, is, there, is there a
5: fake pearl jam show in
0: there <laughs> so
5: not not a fake pearl jam show but my brother and I, my brother was the original 10 Club member, so he's what kind of got me into to Pearl Jam. Um, but we went to the March eighteenth, two 2005 Paramount Theater show, which was a fundraiser for, I think it was Stone, something about school for Gifted, for musical acts in Seattle. And so yeah, we got remember, to see them play, but it was only that, 10 yeah. songs. So, I mean, it, we got to see 10 songs, but it wasn't like, you know, like a 28 or 30 song set.
3: Mm. I think that was a that was a crapshoot rapture show, right? Yeah. The original comatose. Yeah, that was that yeah, would have been cool
0: Comatose. That's crazy. Yeah, usually you get like one or two of those when you get sort of the the smaller settings and then uh the shorter sets, but that's that's really cool. That's that's a that's a good one that uh maybe we'll have to get to someday cuz it's it's kind of special. But um Cool. So yeah, night night one and night two, are there anything that really, you know, pop out set list wise? I know we kinda talked about before we started recording that uh sometimes was that that's probably the most memorable thing because Ed opens up the second show and doesn't remember the lyrics to sometimes, which is like in, a pretty simple song to remember the lyrics to and uh, they just completely aborted on it right
4: yeah they uh, that was sh- like just shocking I've never been to a concert to see the first song just kind of really uh, do a belly flop uh, I mean you know, Pearl Jam that they make mistakes uh, but what's great is that they they change up their set like no other band so uh, it's understandable uh, but yeah to see it right out of the gate I was like ooh! <laughs> but they uh, they definitely recovered and they brought a great show for that night
2: too
5: yeah and like i was saying it being one of my early shows a lot of the songs that were played were just the first times that i'd ever even heard them live because not being like into the bootlegs at that time so just being able to hear like in my tree garden i got shit rvm like that was pretty sweet blood all those for me were the first time i'd ever heard any of those songs like that so it was just like mind-blowing
0: yeah, you guys. Uh, I can't remember which one of you had the stat, but you said that there were 90 songs played in total and 50 unique songs out of the whole three nights. Is is that correct? And and without Black and Jeremy, which is, that's kind of the mind blowing thing out of all this.
4: Yeah, that's. I mean, for for uh, almost 50 songs that were played that were not played any other night, that's incredible. Uh, At <laughs> just the both uh, the avocado album and then just doing their unique songs, and yeah, to not have. Black or Jeremy played all three nights. Um I mean that's really that's for a, you know the the real fans to, to get to some of the rarities.
3: Yeah, I think we did a we did a trivia question early on that was like name each city that was the first to hear each album. And I think San Francisco was first to hear Avocado, right?
0: Had to have been. Yeah. yeah. Because you guys got like the rare stuff like parachutes and uh, army reserve and unemployable I think two nights big wave two nights like you guys that they were really hitting home the avocado at this point if you wanted to hear the avocado songs this this was the time to do it they were they were out there and and there were a lot of them so uh but yeah this is avocado tour this record how'd you guys feel about this record when it first came out?
5: I loved oh, right. the Avocado record uh, when it came out. And that was the first Pearl Jam album that I had bought like on a release day. I remember going into Tower Records. Um, RIP Tower, Tower and, Records. And, <laughs> yeah, RIP Tower. But, <laughs> yeah. And I still even go back to the Avocado album and can enjoy it the whole album through. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't there for night one to hear Gone. But that, that's one of my favorite tracks off that album. But uh, big Wave is definitely one of my favorites, and so getting to hear that was awesome and just really love that album and I, I think it still stands up today if you listen to it.
4: Yeah, and I, I agree. I think' it's, it's got a lot of rockers, and I think you can kind of tell with with these three shows is there's not like a big um, area in the, in the set list that's kind of like a a, a slowdown. Um, there's just a lot of high energy pockets. And I think it because of Avocado' it's just got a high energy. Uh, feel to it all the songs. So there, there's just so much to just keep the energy going. Um, and and one thing, to just throw up for for night one with uh, parachutes is what was really cool. Is before they played parachutes, Eddie. Uh, pointed out um, uh, Fred Vedder in the crowd. I don't know if it's uh, a cousin or uh, the relation, um, but he was, you know, you'd figure kind of family would be in, in, the, um, in backstage, but he was up in the second deck in the seats, and so they had the spotlight pan over him. But it was just really cool where Ed just talked directly to him as family and, and, and uh, appreciating that he would come out for the show and, and then dedicated uh, parachutes to him.
0: That's, that's pretty cool because it, it, it feels like something that Ed would do in reverse for them because he, he's always saying things, let's, you know, uh, how's everybody in the back doing? Like he's always, you know, thinking for those people in the back. And, and there's a great story about his first ever Bruce Springsteen show where he was sitting in the back row and he's always thinking about those people. So I wonder if, uh, if Fred, they're just cut from the same cloth and they go to, went to shows together and that's how they like to experience it. That's pretty cool.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was uh it was nice. It was touched. That was definitely one uh, one thing that stuck out from night 1 for me.
0: So, uh let's let's kind of climb into uh night 3 here. I, you know, parachutes, army reserve, gone, some of the uh some of the less uh, heavy songs are not in this set, which you said before these are all rockers. This set is really There's almost no dead point in the set. I really can't even point one out. Uh, And I think we should just jump right into it because there's a lot of great stuff to get to, including the opener. Um, They open with release. And I actually saw this week I I was looking at uh, some some fan created a, a best versions of 10 songs. And this version was actually the version of release that they used. Wow. Like, you know, compared to, you know, all the ones from, you know, early 90s and all that, like, I, you know, this, this was a terrific version. It has that, like, right in the pocket, right in the groove. It's, it's, uh, like, beautiful version. Mike and Stone working so well together in tandem. Like, uh, this, I felt like this must have been a really good open for the show.
4: Yeah, especially with, you know, they opened uh, night one with Up The Girl, and then, you know, with, with night two, with the sometimes kind of fallen space, I, I'm sure they're ready to, like, just nail that thing, and then to have release, you know, you figure if, if you're going to hear three shows out of four nights, you'd get released twice, but to only get it once, and they yeah, they nailed it.
3: I think the reason, too, that they picked this one is maybe because the crowd at the end just takes it and that that's always a cool moment during release. And like you said, Randy, that the pacing on it is perfect. It's it's that kind of extra slow version that really gives the song space and right. gives it room to breathe. And yeah, it's really really good. That crisp
0: stone sound to it, like that's to me perfect. Perfect release when uh, when that happens. Not rushed at all. Yeah, like this is this is a fantastic version.
2: Great way to start the show. I see the
0: and then you get into a bunch of rockers really early. You get a lot of avocado life wasted, severed hand. Hell, hell. We'll, we'll get to that in a second worldwide suicide, all in this little package in front. And, uh, man, these were the ones I, I know they were playing these a lot in, in very similar spots in the set, but you know, to promote an album, you got to do it. And it makes sense. And all of these sounded really, really good in this, in this part.
5: Yeah. From, from my notes, I just have, uh, Mike McCready ripping already in song two with Life Wasted, and then on to song three with Severed Hand. Mike McCready's guitar is on fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely during Life Wasted, I felt like there was an extra amount of energy coming from Mike, that's for sure. And, and you watch the video, there is a good video clip of this on YouTube, and all of them. It's not just it's not just Mike and Ed like it usually is, but Jeff is is energetic. Stone's energetic. Like this is this is a good show for all five of them. Yeah, and it's I mean to
4: have them all up front. I mean just act, you know a lot of energy going off, and yeah, they're they were kind of running all over the stage. So it was a great uh, uh, set list placement to have just all those songs kind of bundled up right in the front.
3: Yeah, you're getting these songs right after the album, so they're going to sound. As good because they they rehearsed them, they recorded them, they've been playing them almost every night. So, yeah, you're you're gonna get really tight versions of these songs, which you don't always get later on in their in their uh, evolution, as if you will.
0: Yeah, and right smack dab in the middle is Hell Hell, and I think this is a great highlight from this night. And it reminds me of the Hell Hell from MSG Night Two in 2010 where it's just like it's in the pocket it just rips and ed is energetic in it like the whole thing oh man he does the uh i refer to those in front and like it, it, he's bringing the crowd into the song and, and this is a fantastic version of this
4: yeah and i think uh, i couldn't see it going anywhere else in the set because it was just perfectly you know Right within the first, uh, you know, five songs, and just it just carried that energy for uh, for the crowd, and, and uh, yeah, it just really set the set the tone for the night to, to kind of say, okay, we're we're kind of veering off a little bit from Avocado, but we're still hitting you hard with a, a great, uh, you know, upfront song.
5: Yeah, it was kind of perfect how they used that to break up the Avocado. Cause you had Avocado, yeah. Avocado, and then throw something else in there, and then back to Avocado. So that was a nice little transition that they had.
3: He makes it into a little bit of like a social distancing anthem too. He just looks like there's room for all of us apart. But that kind of stuck out to me too. Like, can that can that be the can that be the song now? Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe he was a little bit uh, clairvoyant at the time, I don't know. predicting the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that was dud. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like that smack dab in the middle of all the avocado songs great and it's kind of the precursor of what's to come in this meaty part of the main set right after worldwide suicide there's no stoppage you go right into untitled mfc there's no screwing around i feel like if i'm in that crowd right away to get that after your first couple i feel like i'm in shock hearing
1: Fuck out
2: of here
0: talking about and I'm reading the news it's it's a little bit extra it's not just your regular got a car got some gas
3: yeah he improvs some lyrics about like war which obviously you know the the Iraq war was still going on at that point that was a big deal Bush was still in office so you get a little political there I thought you know, I I love the shout out to the person at the beginning of Untitled who just screams like, Yeah Like that totally would have been me <laughs> if if I had been there. That's one of my favorites. I thought this was a great one. I love it when they go kind of off the beaten path on Untitled and make it special. But I wanna shout out Ed's guitar playing at the beginning of M F C too. You can really hear him strumming hard and really channeling that that Who guitar playing that he does that Townsend style that he just tries to just break that guitar in half you could really hear it come through on the on the bootleg it sounded great <laughs>
4: Maybe it would slow a little bit the pace, but it just kept rolling, uh, you know, with, with that song. And and uh, Randy, I you know you like the, uh, you know, the chewing, and it was like it was a 10 on the chew scale. <laughs> <laughs>
0: funny i went back and i watched single video theory and uh he's actually doing it in single video theory too which is like crazy how that didn't even make the album but uh yeah he is he is a chew for this but i feel like there were a lot of windmills this night because i one of one of the songs especially he was windmilling the whole time so i don't know if it was during mfc but this was a windmill night wasn't it
4: yeah, a lot of heavy uh, strumming from Ed, and uh, yeah, really up front. He had the he had that same guitar all night um, that he was just just hammering on.
0: Yeah, that, I, that's a highlight of the night. I think at the end, I think I think maybe maybe more than one of us will have Untitled MFC in our top three, but there's a lot to choose from. So uh, let's. Let's get back into it. Uh, Ed kind of talking at this point, mentioning it's the third and final night there. And he's thanking the crowd for taking care of themselves. Uh, And that's where he mentions that they hadn't played San Francisco in 11 years, which is just crazy. And, um, yeah, that that takes you into the song. Like you said, the San Francisco show uh, at the Polo. I I was going to say Polo Grounds, but uh, what's it called? Polo Fields. Polo (laughs) Fields, (laughs) right. Obviously not the Polo Grounds. Uh, But yeah, the the song that basically spurned from that incident, Red Mosquito, and really in your first handful of songs, you have a pretty rare one from Yield and Two No Code." That's got to really hype you guys up for, for this.
4: And I think uh, you know, just with that song being so connected to San Francisco, uh, I you know I've been to a number of shows in the Bay Area, and, and that show that song comes up a lot. I think it's, I mean that just is a very strong connection with San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, so they, they do like to, to bring that song out. It, it's a great song. Out.
0: Yeah, uh, John, this this. To me, especially, is in the pocket the whole time, like perfect bassing Like these are these are how we like the the no code songs.
3: Yeah, two thousand six is is great because they, it you get a lot of stuff that was brought back, but they they had time to rehearse and they weren't doing like the super crazy stuff. They they kind of cherry picked what they wanted to bring back off of which albums and and Red Mosquito is one of those. And it's yeah, all through this night I'm gonna keep talking about the the guitar tones and the. The, it just sounded so good
0: yeah it felt like this version was it just it, it channeled that bluesy vibe and I know that sometimes they can just get away with it and it's just like all right let's play it as fast as we can because you know that's that's what they want they want to jump around to it but uh, yeah they, they really they they paced themselves so it was almost melodic in a way it kind of it, you know it, it still had that speed to it almost kind of like that that Berlin version
3: yeah it needs to have that kind of stomp to it like it's it needs to have kind of a dirty like kind of swampy rhythm to it almost like something like we talk about let the records play off of off of lightning bolt later on but yeah the, this one this one was great it, again like like release like hail hail and just yeah all the old songs sounded great at the show
5: oh yeah red mosquito was amazing and then it gets even better because at the end of the song then eddie tells the story about how Mike played it with uh, Eddie's grandfather's Zippo and he asked Eddie if he could keep the uh, the lighter
2: <laughs> and he's
5: like, I told him no
2: <laughs>
5: and then
0: we get another new one after this, this is a song that we don't really talk about on the show very often because it's not played very often, Unemployable I think is checking the notes, it's only been played 46 times and I think we've covered it, maybe two others. So, um, yeah, what do you what do you guys feel about this song? And since we don't really give it enough attention, let's uh, let's kind of give some love to it if, if we have some.
5: I mean, I, I think with like almost every other song that we've been talking about, it it just sounded great. And I wish they would kind of play some more of these avocado tracks a bit more. But I know it's kind of difficult with how big the the catalog has been getting here for them. I'm sure with the set list, but. I would love to hear a lot of these tracks, a lot more.
4: I, I like the song, it seems very tied to the album, and I, I, don't know, I would be surprised to hear this brought out in the future, but maybe they would they'll go back to it. There's so many avocado songs that they don't play that much that you would think maybe would be brought back up nowadays Little Unemployable.
0: Yeah, yeah, Unemployable really... I, I don't remember the last time they brought it up. I, I was kind of surprised. The one show that I got, it was 2012, that's six years after the album. Uh, but, like, really what they'll do on a most consistent basis, probably they're, the one that they play the most from this album is the Wasted Reprise, which is just... It's kind of... It's almost cheap in a way that they get something from the album in, but it's not really much of anything but you know you'll still get severed hand a little bit you'll still get comatose uh life wasted every now and again so you do get the more popular stuff but yeah going back and listening to these avocado songs when they're you know still budding and growing and and they're you know they're feeling it yeah these this is cool it's it's not a song you hear very often but uh unemployable sounds real good here
3: i was gonna say i I looked it up get this the, the last time it was played october 2013 in pittsburgh
0: Yes, That's the first night of the Lightning Bolt tour. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. And it's probably going to be much longer uh, depending on whenever the next show is. So, I'm, you know, I can see there being a situation in 2021 and, you know, just willing everything hap- happening the way it's supposed to happen. But I can see a situation where, you know, the whole European tour, the whole U.S. tour... They're gonna bring back every single song or most songs from their catalog and just kind of spread them out as much as they can. I think that I think that would be cool, but uh, remains to be seen. That's that is my that is my one thing I'm gonna hang on to uh, as as we go on the next couple months and, and and see where the tours are going. I'm gonna hang on to that and we'll we'll see what comes up. Uh, but this is where. Stone kind of makes sure that uh, people are, aren't are pushing people in the front.
1: Hey, can I just say something? Uh, this is all great. We're having a great time. As far as people like pushing and stuff from behind, it's really important that we just kind of, everyone just chill out. And just, there's no need to push. It just doesn't make any sense. So please just try to be mellow, enjoy yourself, have a good time, enjoy music.
4: For me, I the, coming to night three after being the, for the first two nights, I I sort of hung back on the floor a little bit, just knowing how rowdy the crowd was. Um, So uh, I wasn't close to the front, but I I, I definitely could tell they probably were very cognizant of what had gone on the first two
5: shows. Yeah. And with the civic center, it's just so small anyways for the, to pack people into that place. Uh, It was pretty sweet to get so close because we were just a little bit off the rails, like in the second or, or third row, but I was on the opposite side. So I was in front of Mike McCready. Um, So I don't know if our side wasn't quite as rowdy, uh, because I definitely can remember being pushed around a bit, but I also remember having, like, a younger kid that was, like, up on the rail. So people were more, like, kind of cognizant to not be wanting to blast uh, into this kid that was up on the rail, too, as well
0: yeah I mean like the and how many times are they gonna say it? They're always just cognizant of these things going on and and it's good that Stone's the one saying it. It's usually Ed that brings it up, but Stone kind of uh gets his say in it, and uh it's 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 cool that that all everybody is paying attention to this, but Ed makes a comment after this something about. Uh, you know, if you guys, if you guys are going to push, then we're going to play the slow songs and it kind of got a little bit of a jeer a little bit.
2: Yeah,
4: no, I remember. Yeah. He was, uh, I think kind of making light of the situation, but he also, uh, he also, uh, uh, commented that there's a good balance of, uh, uh, men and women up in the front. So he kind of, uh, acknowledged the, uh, everyone, in, uh, in the, in the pit there that they were doing well to take care of themselves.
5: Yeah, if yeah. you're not taking care of your fellow man, make sure you take care of yeah. your fellow woman and then the, the ladies and the the in the crowd are wild. Yeah. So that was a yeah. pretty sweet line on, on Eddie's part. And it's gotta be kinda it's gotta be so odd for them for all the things that they've been through with uh crowds and all that to be up there and try to perform and then think about keeping the crowd safe. Like I wonder how much they're able to even escape into the music sometimes and just how much more their music would even be uh, more enhanced live if they didn't have to worry about those kinds of things sure
0: yeah yeah that's that's a really good point that you don't think about sometimes and and that they're able to you know especially at a show like this where it, it there's like not a skate on it there there's not there's no bad thing about any of these songs they're they're perfectly played uh like it's it's kind of remarkable that they're they're able to get through all these and um uh, you know, I'll, I'll raise you that line that you said about the women and I'll give you the, uh, the next one is a sad song, but not, uh, not a slow song. And that gets you into sad. Um, John, I'm going to bring this up with you. Cause do you remember let's flash back three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And I said, Hey, wouldn't it be cool? if they did a combination between Sad and Light Years, because they're same subject matter, same time period by Gnarl. One made the album, one didn't. And what do we have here?
3: Yep. They're, that's a good combo. And I think this is not the last time that we're going to talk about these two songs together. I think they, they paired them up a lot over the years. But yeah, I thought this is fantastic. Sad definitely on the front foot. Like It sounded sounded great. Like Definitely pushing it uh, shout out to Matt Cameron, who's just amazing in the show. And then light years, you know, what can you say? Like, huge moment.
4: And I would say this is this is like the, uh, just the bread and butter pocket for me in this show. It's the show, is the sad into light years. And, and John, just like you're saying, Matt Cameron, I mean, the, the, the transition between the two songs was amazing, and just, uh, man, and, and especially for Lightyear, such a great song. And he just rolled right into it, and, and it just set up, like, the, the next three or four songs were just great.
0: The way that he rolled into it, and it's funny that you say that, because it makes me think of the, the way that they roll into Not For You, because that, that same kind of drum pattern is what he does for that beginning of Not For You, just a little bit slower, and that's kind of what I was I was feeling here. I'm like, what are they going into? to and then they they kind of they they bust out light years instead of not for you but I, I felt that same that same vibe as you would get for that
2: yeah
4: and, and i think just the overall like john was saying like the whole night uh matt cameron uh in his drumming was just like the spotlight was just right on him with uh with, with the songs and uh and not not to be forgotten too is that he had a lot of Uh, Background vocals for Avocado He was was definitely doing the background vocals It was fantastic for the Avocado songs
0: Yeah, absolutely You you gotta give credit to Mike too I thought Mike was fantastic during the solo And sad Uh, And this is another Ed Windmilling song Uh, Both the combos It's fantastic Everything in this part of the set list this This is like my dream To get these two songs The next song Red Mosquito, Hell, Hell, uh, Untitled MFC, like half of those I've, I've never seen before and they're very high on my list that uh, to see. So I'm, I'm very jealous right now that you guys were able to get this because I don't know if, if we're going to see a set like this ever again.
5: And there was no lightning bolt either. so No lightning
0: bolt? <laughs> no,
2: nope. that,
0: that definitely takes away some of the possibilities. But yeah, um, one 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 song another this is another avocado one right here and of course we have to give a shout out to matt because it is it's it's his song and uh you know i I texted him and told him we were doing it this week and he said nothing so uh i guess that's his acknowledgement but um hopefully he's tuning in and we'll play a little bit for him but what i remember because i think his brother went to the first two shows and i think during night two did Ed crowd surf during Big Wave? I'm trying
4: to think. It's, I only remember him going to uh, the last kiss. I know Brian.
5: Yeah, I only remember the the last kiss part. Um, I would have to check that out and review it to see if he did. Because I know that one's also that one's available on YouTube, the full show, I think, for Night 2. Right, right. I just haven't right. watched it in a while. Yeah, there was something There You're was something you
3: crowd that would
0: be the one. Yeah, right. That's why it kind of came to mind. And... I thought that Steve, like, throughout the years was kinda teasing Matt because he was at that show and and saw it and and that moment happened. But uh I don't know, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to defer to him and uh, we'll see what, what results come come out of that. Hey, quick editor's note, it seems that uh, after talking to Steve and watching some video on this, that Eddie was in the crowd for Last Kiss and then made his way towards where Steve was at Stoneside, and it was back-to-back where Big Wave came right after Last Kiss, and Ed was being hoisted back onto the stage, so Steve had thought that he was crowd-surfing during that point, but turns out he wasn't. So there's the story. Back to the episode. Another avocado song that just doesn't appear anymore. I think they played it, I don't know if the last time they played it was Charlottesville, but I know that that, that was one of the last the last times that they did it. But again, you know, I think it's a perfect, perfect time for it, too. You're right on the coast, so, yeah, why not?
4: And then he always seems to find a way to, uh, when they're in California, uh, to reference some type of surf uh, song Whether that's sure. Big Wave Or I've seen him play uh, Santa Cruz uh, I think the song that he wrote But yeah, he always references uh, Whenever he's seen him in, uh, in the uh, <coughs> Northern California Some type of song connected with surf
0: Yeah, absolutely uh, Even Flow This is 2006 Even Flow You have to talk about Matt Cameron Because this is This is his time to shine
5: going bonkers, uh, people are jumping around. Uh, Mike's solo is awesome, but then it does really, when Matt comes on and just goes crazy on the drums, and it I didn't see how long it was, but it seems like he goes for like a minute 30 or something. It, he it's was just going crazy. Long. And it doesn't even seem like he's breaking a sweat, which is the, the crazy thing too. And he was just jamming so hard. That was definitely his uh, part to shine. Um, and it was just awesome.
4: And especially the uh, the other nights that they did Even Flow, like that, there was a little more uh, spotlight for, for Mike, um, on the soloing, but definitely night three, they gave Matt Cameron like the, the spotlight to do some, some drum stuff and I, it was awesome.
0: I love in, in the solo, um, and he was doing this a lot, in 2006 just kind of like that he kind of stops a little bit and it kind of has that uphill climb almost like a train when the train's kind of going up a mountain a little bit uh you know it's kind of he's he's giving a little bit of extra emphasis and then he goes back and it goes back right into the course it's it's perfect yeah this great great versions of even flow in 2006 and that uh, yeah that definitely is is up there um, really another hit and you're not getting a lot of these hits even flow into evolution and, and evolution kind of starts a little bit of a yield section evolution in hiding. Like that's really, that's awesome stuff here. You're still just like the rest of the main set. You're busting out within hiding. At least you're busting out more of the deeper cuts from the albums.
5: Yeah. with uh, evolution, You can well, see stone really just, uh, grooving like the entire time too like you like you were saying with high energy he was bouncing around and you could tell he was really feeling the music um and it was just a good start to that little stretch you mentioned
4: and he had the uh the stone neck bob was like definitely on the full, the full display for do the evolution and uh and even before uh they started in hiding i think ed mentioned that he thought this was the song that they were going to try to do a, a sing-along with the uh, crowd for
0: Right, right, yeah. I, I look—it's it, not a Vic Theater version, but I think they—I think they did pretty good on it. I, you're able to hear. The deep cuts is, is really what makes this show and, and whether people were there for him or not it's uh yeah listening back to them. these are unique unique ones in the set list um yeah uh then you get a couple at the end here down present tense and why go finish out the show and, and it's it just I think I think it reminds me of like a 95 set or 94 set where there's no you know they don't don't play black in the middle of a set black is more held for an encore spot uh they just keep going they keep going with with the faster paced tunes that like they put in a deep where usually you would get i don't know a uh an elderly woman or something like that like this feels kind of like the modernized version
3: of that era yeah I man I think you covered it man yeah no given to fly like that would have usually been in this spot but yeah how about getting sad and down in the same set that's fantastic
0: right yeah I'll give it to you guys down present tense why go anything that you got on those
4: I, I like you know when they're throwing down I've seen it a number of times and it's it's just a it's almost wherever you put it in the set, it just it just goes well, and it, it you know doesn't necessarily uh, slow down the momentum. It just it's a great uh, just kind of keep on trucking song. So I, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, you know, kind of right where they had it late in the um,
5: late in the set. Yeah, and they kind of tied those two songs together with In Hiding and Down, mm. how they did earlier with like Sad and Light Years. So it's mm. always cool to see them. That with, like, what, what songs are they doing that for? How do they pick it to, to like match up the tempos and that kind of stuff? So that was really cool.
0: And Down's a really good one because it's got that riff where it can kind of follow something up immediately, uh, you know, it's instead of the album version where they kind of uh they do like the little teaser into it, this the, the fast strumming part, but they they just strum right into it, and yeah, like that makes for a perfect transition. You're absolutely right. Um, great present tense on this version i think this is a very strong matt cameron performance on on present tense uh a little cymbal action beating toms in the that parts of the verse kind of building up to that first to to the chorus i thought sounded fantastic
3: i mentioned earlier about the guitar tone like the, the intro to present tense is one of the best things about the show like sometimes it can sound a little thin due to whatever reasons you know but this one i thought sounded perfect i i was in it from the very beginning present tense absolutely and highlight three no code
0: songs in this show that's pretty good for cool. any Love show
3: it. of any era even 96
0: uh why go ending the set like you know it, it kind of whenever they end a set with why go i feel like it's kind of a an ellipses almost where it's not like a stamp kind of clothes that you know a an alive would be or a porch would be they kind of leave they leave you wanting more with with Why Go. It has that kind of that ending that don't and they can kind of just walk off, and you're kind of you get excited for for the next moment that that's about to come.
4: Yeah, especially with you know the the prominent songs from Ten that were not played um, to go with Why Go, it definitely, like you say, Randy, that just left like, all right, there's there's a lot more to come still, um, <laughs> even though they're you know they're going off stage.
5: And it really builds up that little time. In between the the sets there, where everybody's just going crazy because it's just such a great walk-off song, like you mentioned, like "Why Go?"
0: <laughs> exactly. Ask
3: the question, yeah, it's, and, and, and it, it, it fits a it fits a set like this too, where it was kind of like a lot of up-tempo songs, a lot of rockers. You know, "Why Go?" It perfectly fits in with that, and it's it's a nice bookend too with release to think about, you know, all the stuff that was played in the middle, but you're you're getting a bookend of release and why go in the main set that's kind of cool
0: yeah and, and when you think about why go in, in this era in, in 2006 they brought it back a little bit in 2003 but not much 2006 kind of like leash rats and some of those other ones this is really when they're starting to bust it out and you can feel like those the old ones are kind of new again
4: it had been a while yeah I, I saw them back in the uh, yeah in yeah. In the uh, 90s, but, it, yeah, it had been a while, so it was nice to see it kind of brought back up.
0: Uh, I'm going to tag out. John, why don't you take over the uh, the narration part, and then I'll, I'll chime in when when need be.
3: Yeah, so we, uh, we get a little encore break here. They come out with uh, Wasted Reprise into Man of the Hour, a little little precursor to, this, to the Slow Burn Encore open. What did you guys think of this?
5: It sounded just really beautiful the way they slowed it down and kind of he gave Boom his, his introduction uh, so late into the uh, the show but uh, it was just really a beautiful song and the way they played it, it just sounded really clear and crisp and uh, it was a great start to the Encore One. Yeah,
4: kind of agree kind of coming out of nowhere um, yeah, you kind of still used to kind of um... Reprise with with tag with another avocado song, but to throw in "Man of the Hour" that was cool because you
0: just don't hear that song very often. Like you mentioned before, Matt's backups are very prominent on "Man of the Hour." I thought they were fantastic there.
3: Of the evening, you get Crazy Mary. Uh, we already had kind of a, a showdown between McCready and Cameron during Evenflow. What did you? Who did you guys think won the the battle between uh, Boom and McCready here? This is an extra long Crazy Mary.
4: I like. Uh, I think Boom is. This is Boom's song. Uh, he really like just shines on it, and I know they uh, him and, and Mike battle it out, but you gotta love watching Boom just pound away on the keyboards on the song so um, I'm always I got a spot on my face looking at him whenever Crazy Mary comes up.
5: Yeah I'm going Boom as well Uh, it was just his his time with those uh, three songs there kind of to highlight the way that, that he plays and it was just amazing how they go back and forth and just seeing the stamina that he has to play something like that it's it's just crazy to see live.
3: John, are you team Mike or team Boom for this? Um, you know, I'm always team Mike. I think that he's hard to beat in these in these songs, and I think, like I've said before, I think he toys with Boom Boom a little bit. I don't think he unleashes the full McCready except during certain some points. But yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm always team Mike on this.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I I felt, and you know, I I think it's split down the middle here because I felt some really emotional stuff coming from mike when he's holding out those notes like that's when you know he's pouring his soul into into his solo and i, I just can't look away from when he does that and that's not that's no slight on boom because boom can kill it and, and this version i mean his solo was like three or four minutes long it was fantastic uh but i, I felt something real special coming from mike from this and you know Put it all together, and really, there's there's no there's no losers. Everybody wins because you get a fucking fantastic version of Crazy Mary. So,
3: was there some wine being passed around the front row?
5: Oh, no doubt. There was wine bottles.
4: Yeah, and he had a few wine bottles throughout the show. Yeah, I think you walked up with a wine
5: bottle. And so close to Napa, I'm sure he's got some sort of hookup up oh, for true. the Northern California, all the good <laughs> stuff.
3: That's why they did three nights there. <laughs> that,
5: that, and the surfing, maybe a little bit of the, the marijuana at the time too. I'm sure.
3: back up a little bit with, uh, with Comatose. And Comatose is kind of interesting. It, it kind of established a, a, a spot here in the, the encore section early on. Um, Brian, I want to talk about this, too. You had actually seen the original version of this song. Talk about that a little bit.
5: Yeah, so it was a similar type of venue, but uh, I would say the people definitely were not anywhere near as rowdy at the Paramount Theater uh, that night in Seattle. It was a a big benefit show for a a music school in Seattle. Um, And so I I didn't even know what it was at the time. You know, I I didn't know like, oh, this is gonna be on the the new album or anything like that. And then to hear it again uh, in San Francisco after the album has then been released and comes out, uh, it was just an awesome song and Mike McCready just absolutely destroys this song. Um, and it makes me actually want to hear this song uh, more like some of the avocado tracks because he just goes off on this song
3: Sean you got anything?
4: Oh, I defer Brian <laughs>
0: <laughs> As well, I thought this was a fantastic version of Comatose um, You know, I, I think this is one that Ed struggles with nowadays, and it's not it's not as raw as it is at this time where they're feeling it and they're feeling the album version you know now ed is a little bit older he can't you know he can't get to the verge the same way that he used to sometimes they drop tune it um but yeah this is this is the kind of comatose that really really gets you going i love this
3: yeah i thought it was fantastic so we're getting to to near the end of the show we're getting to our what we call the bread and butter alive comes in next and 2006 is interesting for alive and we'll, i want to talk about that a little bit had you guys seen the the vh1 storytellers performance where he talked about you know lifting the curse and you know everybody doing the fist fist pumping was that in your head at this point
4: yeah that, i definitely recall seeing that and and uh, you know definitely um alive really does get that uh it gets the crowd going if, if you don't have a you know, um, you know, Pearl Jam fans there that are wanting to see the rarities alive just brings everyone together, the whole the whole
5: um, auditorium. Yeah, another kind of like one of the, the throwbacks, obviously, with uh, like Even Flow is big and alive, just like everybody gets to go bonkers because everybody knows that song. And like you said, kind of made it an emotional thing that turned into like a real positive song, like I'm staying alive and people just really rock the the fist of that song so it's just a fist rock and jam especially to to end the little encore with that it's always just can't beat it
0: and mike sounds so good with the solo in this and and the crowd is so enthused but yeah pretty uh pretty quick encore one and to get alive right here kind of leaves you leaves the encore two a little bit in question and in, in doubt a little bit where where are they going to go They're, this is one of their pivotal tunes you know what's coming next
4: yeah and almost i mean with uh you know, maybe jeremy black still out there you kind of thought maybe they were kind of do like a maybe oh even you know like a slower bird like final um, you know few songs uh, but that definitely didn't turn out to be that one.
5: Yeah, and to be going for the third night, too, you're wondering, like, okay, like, you're trying to guess. Like, they've, they've played this, they've played this, they haven't played this. Like, like what is going to come up?
0: When when they came out for Encore 2, uh, it, it's funny that you said that, like, the crowd you know is anticipating or something or you're thinking about what other songs you can uh would you be able to get here the crowd has some ideas because the crowd right away is chanting for stone so were you guys hoping that you get a little bit of mankind at this point
5: i mean i didn't have my my hopes up uh for that at that point i'm just ready for anything though you know but i didn't have uh I don't. know if I was in on all the Stone chants. I think that was uh, more on his side over there. Everybody was pumping him up.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, that would have been wild to have a third on en- or a third encore, and you get you get Stone singing. That would have uh, that would have blown the roof off
0: for sure. But uh, you know, you get some some really early stuff here this last exit is fantastic i thought this was definitely one of the highlights of the night the mccready solo and last exit just sounds crisp and it almost sounds like the crowd got dead quiet when he's soloing and then right when he finished it just roars
5: Yeah, I just remember him being on fire, like, (laughs) throughout the entire show. And, I mean, for it being one of my earlier shows and being, like, right in his section, it was just, like, watching in awe as he just shredded, like, every single solo, every song. It was just amazing to watch uh, him play the entire night.
4: And and just, yeah, I wasn't even thinking that last decade would come out at this point in the set, and it was... uh... It was awesome. Yeah, they they were just right in their groove, and so that was that was great to see it. Like you know, towards the end of the show. Uh,
0: but more uh, more early stuff to follow. State of love and trust. Uh, pack, packaging these two back to back. Like you're getting such a great energy boost here. That's uh, state of love and trust, and then kind of afterwards, uh, Ed's thanking the crowd and and giving a little nod to Sonic Youth and uh, and kind of ting ting you up for leash and you got leash the night before so it, it's still like like we said uh before with um with why go um 2006 was really the comeback year for leash so getting it two nights in a row must have felt pretty special for you guys
4: and i think with uh with Ed, ed's voice again like you know three shows and four nights that leash brought me back to the early 90s, the way that he sang that, it was it was so strong with vocals. Uh, it, it was great just to, to see that, you'd think maybe after Night 2 you wouldn't, you know, we're not going to see the leash again, but to bring it out again that uh, for Night 3 was uh, just, just fantastic.
5: Yeah, it's definitely a song that carries the, the crowd and with the energy that was going on, it's like, why the hell not, just play it again. And who knows how many people didn't go to night two or night three. I don't know if they have those stats with like the 10 club ticket purchases or things like that before shows. But it's so uh, it's pretty sweet. Like if you only went to night three and then you, you got leash, if you maybe missed it on night two, uh, that's pretty cool that they did that.
0: Yeah, always looking out for the people, absolutely. But you know, State of Love and Trust, leash, that's 1991, 1992, a little stretch right there.
3: John, what would you think of this stuff? Oh, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, to get to get State of Love and Trust into Leash. And like, you, that's what you want in an encore too, right? You want the things that are going to send these people home happy. And everybody remembers single soundtracks, State of Love and Trust and Breath, and everybody remembers Leash. And yet, in 2006, to for that to be the year that, that Leash came back, and it sounded great. You know, they really worked on it to try to make it sound good. They, they didn't want to come back and just do it as a as a nostalgia thing they and yeah, you, you, you get a little bit of a lucky face now, but I think that's it's still fine. Like I still love leash whenever I get it. I thought it was amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, if you get the lucky face, I, I just want the anger coming out of Ed and, and I feel like you really got it here. I feel like the the mm-hmm. two things that I love from this song is just Ed's vigor and anger and then Jeff backing him up and sort of kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like tennis tennis partners right there kind of volleying back, and, and it's, it's great. I, I love when Jeff has his backups on this. Um, yeah, and then the solo at the end, of course, is just unbelievable. But, yeah, the comeback year for Leash, definitely very special. Uh, after that, you get more special stuff. Lee Rinaldo comes uh, on stage, Lee Rinaldo from Sonic Youth and they do an absolutely killer version of All Along the Watchtower. And I've had my grievances about the song and just how everybody covers it. And I think the middle of listening to this version, I was starting to think, you know what? If they're gonna play it like this and it's gonna be a party like this and it's gonna be the end of the night and feel like it's really something special, do it as much as you can pull it out and it's gonna be really special How, how'd you guys think when you know he said this kind of is a San Francisco song a little bit it feels like it uh, like what are you guys thinking it being be in the end of the night and get this here
5: it was definitely the, the perfect song uh, in my opinion and I think it might have been in between Leash and Watchtower but like uh, I don't remember this um, in person, but I remember from seeing the, the, video on YouTube where all of a sudden like Mike McCready is shirtless, so Mike <laughs>
2: McCready is
5: just like rocking off the wall. Mike to at the end of the show, yeah, <laughs> took his shirt off. And then as I do remember at the end, him chucking his guitar up in the air and he's flipping that thing like ten feet up in the sky and just letting it drop down onto the stage. And then he bangs it up against the speakers. And then they, they finally pulled the, the guitar off to the side, like, because it's just totally destroyed. And then Eddie kind of sneaks over and grabs it and throws it back out into the middle of the stage and then tries to run and, and surf on it, but then eats it super hard, too. So I was, I was a little bit worried about Eddie's knee or his face after after that, but they were just going so hard. It was just crazy.
4: Yeah, man, I, I had totally forgotten about that, Brian. Thank you. That's a great reminder of, uh, of that. But it, it's always cool when. Uh, you know, when they invite either the members of the opening band or if you've got some, uh, you know, some uh, musician from local area comes in and plays and to uh, have it all on the Watchtower is cool. That's definitely a, a cover that I, you know, I haven't heard them play very often. So it was, it was great because I, I was kind of thinking, all right,
2: it's going to be uh, Ledbetter and then that'll be, uh, you know, the end of uh, night three. You know
1: all the women came in.
3: A party, like this is the part when you know, when, the, when the guitar player from the opening band gets to come on stage. Everybody's having fun, like like you guys talked about. It, it's kind of coursing around on stage and having some fun with it. So this is where it becomes like a celebration of the show, and it's it's perfect. I, you know, is a great guitar player. I would have loved to see him play with them.
0: Yeah, I, you know, that's to to it, to be in the third night. This is kind of in a way like a mini vacation. They, they've sort of. Called this a home for four or five days here, so to them it's kind of you know it's they want to go out on a high point. They want to remember it for being a fun three nights, and it it seemed like this night was definitely that. And it seemed like from your uh, perspective of the first two nights, you guys got a lot of that too. And the band just seemed to be in such a good mood, And, and this you know getting an ending where everybody. Is just losing their shit. Is just it, it's it's peak Pearl Jam. It's it's the best. It really is. And uh, you know it takes it takes them a minute to kind of settle down and get into Better. And you kind of hear. I think I think Mike takes a guitar, uh, a new one, obviously, and uh, he plays a little bit of the the Little Wing riff. And uh, Ed kind of looks over and he said he needed a new one and uh that's probably where he did the surf in that the middle part there but uh yeah great great lead better and i always say it if you have a night two a night three always got to end the show with lead better it's a cherry on top whenever mike pulls out the anthem and that's what you get here so you know sean you especially being there all three how how you know wrap this up and how emotional is that for you knowing that this is this is the end of a really good stretch of shows
4: yeah it was uh you know just a uh, emotional overload just for for being that uh, third show and uh um... <clears throat> You know, it was it, it was just great to. I, I don't think I've ever seen any uh, band, let alone Pearl Jam, do you know three shows in in a week. Uh, that was my first experience, and and just to have this night, um, you know, kind of like we said, they they were sort of in their groove. They were, you know, really rolling out a very unique set, and uh, it was just a great ending, um, you know, for the night to to have uh, led better. It, it was definitely like a, a <clears throat> full circle, and.
5: and uh, conclusion to, like, a full week of being in San Francisco. Yeah, I almost I almost thought they could have just ended after Watchtower the way they, they went, so hard on that, but obviously just Ledbetter is, like, the perfect closer for, like you mentioned, having, like, a multiple day kind of thing where they've played multiple times there in a row. Like, why not end it with the, the Star Spangled and the Kiss Goodnight from Mikey with the tucking you in with Ledbetter? It's just the perfect way to to wrap everything up for them in in San Francisco
0: yeah absolutely yeah I I feel like this is it's a a perfect bow on a show that was that was absolutely fantastic Uh, a set of shows that people remember very fondly and and really you know I think that they didn't do too many more US shows after that I think they were just finishing up I think they went up to Portland and did the two Gourd shows after and then I, I think they took a break for about a month and went overseas. So this is starting to get they're starting to get kind of the, to the end and and uh you know there's they might be starting to miss things and and uh yeah probably getting emotional for them too. So uh let's uh let's all go around in a circle and I'll start with one of you guys just pick your three favorite moments. It could either be, you know, from 3 to 1 or it could be just pick 3 and and those are the ones.
4: So I'd say uh, three. Um, I would say uh, Watchtower. I think that was a great way to to um, start to wrap up the uh, the show, especially for the third night, and uh, to have just like you guys were saying the all party and and uh, everyone was just having a great time. Um, that was just a it was just a perfect way to end the end the run for them. Um, uh Two, I would say I I think the. Uh, I think Light Years was is fantastic, just the transition from Sad into Light Years, and, and I, I, Light Years is a great song, and it's just not one that they play a lot, um, and it just showed the dexterity of the, all the band members to just transition right into into that song. I thought it was a great part of the set um, uh, to bring that out, um, and I think the uh, number one, I, I'd have to say, sort of uh, Leash is kind of highlighting Ed's voice, again, for being like three shows and four nights, um, to be able to pull out Leash at the uh, almost the end of the show and to bring me back to the early nineties with the power and, and and his voice. Um I, I just uh, thinking as I'm sitting here now that the likelihood of having uh to see Pearl Jam do three shows of four nights uh and have Leash towards the the end of a set, I, I don't know if that you know will happen again. It was it was just incredible just to to go back and revisit these shows and, and hear the strength of Ed's voice over that, over those uh, three, three nights.
5: Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I think for, for me, I'll have to go with number three as being just kind of those opening songs where you get your first two avocado, you get life wasted and then into Severn hand uh, just because it was like the album was so fresh and those are your first songs that you're getting off the album and the show, and the the energy was just great, and they were really rocking hard, so that was one of my favorite parts. Uh, and then, obviously, the the Untitled into MFC is always super, super special, um, how they kind of quieted it down there where it was like a lot of hard-rocking songs. They slow it down for a little bit, and then they they'd go right back into jamming with MFC. And then uh, my number one is definitely the the watchtower when they're just going crazy and mccready's chucking his guitar up into the air and banging it off of speakers like i've never seen anybody destroy a guitar like that let alone mike mccready so that was pretty sweet to see
3: i was thinking about a couple of things like obviously untitled mfc is fantastic you guys mentioned that sad into light years is fantastic we talked about present tense and all the cool things of the show, but I'm going to go full 1991 on my top three. I'm going to say uh, number three is leash uh, to, to have been there and did not know it was coming. Like you guys said, you, you got it the one night, weren't sure if you were going to get it again. I like, feel like, feel like that brought the house down right at the end. I thought it was great. And I think it probably contributed into Watchtower and, and led better being so great as well. And having it be such a kind of a fun, loose atmosphere. Uh, my number two is release. Uh, we talked about that at the beginning, how it was perfectly paced. It had room to breathe, had all the space that it needs. And then when I was listening to it, that the the crowd at the end really, you could tell they were they were up for this night three. Like after those first two shows, they were they were ready to see to see what they were going to get on this one. I thought it set the tone for the whole night with with the crowd interaction and just fantastic. And my number one is actually alive. Uh, we talked about a little bit about how two thousand six was was an important year for alive and the, the storytellers and everything. And I thought when the crowd started doing the fist pumping and the, Hey, Hey, I thought it really picked the band up and took them to a, to a higher place. And it really elevated the song into something special. And if you listen to McCready after that section, he, he just takes it in like, okay, I'm going to take what you gave me. I'm going to give it right back. And he just goes off. And I thought it was a really special moment at the show.
0: There, yeah, there are. I mean, we can do a top 10 on this show and, and, like, from all of our perspectives, and still probably get every song in there from four people. Uh, that's, that's how many great moments there are in, in this show. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to pick, but I think overall, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say that number three is just the, the deep cuts, the Untitled MFC in hiding red mosquito unemployable big wave like uh, sad and light years like all just bringing all those to the table and those being in one show to me like that i love seeing shows like that and, and they hit on just about every single one of my favorite songs so yeah i was all in on that um i would say i would take untitled and MFC out of that equation and put them in at number two because just mind-blowing uh untitled whenever it's extended like that you kind of you get this anticipation like you know when MFC is gonna hit but you're just waiting for it and then when it finally does it's just a jolt of energy and I yeah great love it and uh number one it's it's really it's a it's it's such a it's such a difficult decision between leash and watchtower and i think they kind of tie and i'm gonna give it a tie to leash and watchtower just being the end i'm gonna combo them together because again it's the last night of a tour and you know the band wants to leave it all out there uh not a tour uh just a, just a section of shows in in a city, but you know they're just leaving everything out there, and they're just making the party atmosphere feel atmosphere feel just fantastic and and something that you're going to take home and remember for a really long time. So, if I cheat on these, so what? I haven't cheated in a long time. Leash Leash and Watchtower are, are my number one. So, uh, but rating this, I I am very interested to see everybody's rating because uh, I'm. I'm gonna have to think real hard, John. John, why don't we go first and then we'll let our guests go second? Since I think their to exactly, matter exactly. more than ours.
3: Yeah, I was gonna suggest that. I think that I think that's a good idea. I'm gonna. I guess I'll start it off. I'll say um, this. This may seem low, but it's not. I'm gonna give this an eight. Like I I enjoy listening to it. I think it it doesn't have those really like iconic like an immortality or a or a black or. a but Jeremy, that's the only thing I thought it was missing. And but eight's absolutely strong. I thought it was it was a great listen. I really enjoyed it. The the pace kept up the whole time, and it I thought it was I thought it was great. So I'm gonna give it an eight. But it it's just below those those iconic shows that we talk about sometimes.
0: Yeah, to to me, like I, I feel like this the show didn't need it. Like I, I I like that the set kind of filled with just sort of more punk rock and and faster things and and less of the atmospheric stuff. I, I like the direction they took. Uh, especially even with the avocado songs they could have played a parachutes or an army reserve which is more of a mid-tempo song and they decided not to I, I i applaud them for doing that especially for a night three and i think it was a perfect way to finish and i'm just kind I'm, of i'm gonna be a little biased towards a lot a lot of these songs being ones that i'm, I'm again sort of jealous you getting like in Untitled in the MFC and uh, Big Wave and Sad and Light Years like those are all some of my favorites and uh, you know from a historical and like you know maybe a, a journalistic uh, perspective maybe I'd give it a nine but it, it would get a half point more the from the fan inside of me so I'm gonna take the fan and the fan is is, is going to uh, give it. Half a point more, and I'm going to make this a 9.5, which is in reality as close to a 10 as 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 you could possibly get with me. Uh, but uh, I, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say now. So,
5: what do you got? I think for me, I'll go with like you're saying, kind of a 9.5. Like I, I still think there's always room for a little bit of improvement and. I'm really a big fan of like Better Man and Black live, and being able to sing those with the crowd. And you you don't get either of them, not even just one of them, with, with this set list. But like you did mention, you get so much of other things. It's not like, oh, man, I'm really sad. I didn't hear those songs. Um, right. It's like the experience there is, is a 10, and it's always a 10 for me being at a, at a Pearl Jam show. And the band just sounded great. Eddie sounded great, um, and it was just a fun, obviously three days for you, Sean, and uh, an amazing two days for myself and my brother Eric, who actually scored the tickets uh, for me since he was uh, the original Ten Club OG member. Um, so just a great time, great show.
4: I uh, it's been a I can't remember another Pearl Jam show that I've been to that I feel the pace of the show matches the album i i feel like that avocado is a very high energy um album you know it's got its it's got its uh, definitely slow songs and the whole album is great but I, I felt like they came in and and they matched the pace of of a lot of the songs in avocado with all of their catalog um for this for this night um and, and there wasn't really any dip in the and it was real just the energy was high the entire um the entire set so um i think on that uh, similar to what john said that there were some you know real classic songs that didn't get in that uh, i would always love hearing but i think because of the the pace and 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 with the album coming out i'd put it at a
0: 9.5 a lot of 9.5s being thrown around there we didn't hit 10 with any of them but i i think like the show is is up there i think this is what they say like bootleg bible i think i think uh if you want to go out and buy a bootleg uh yeah definitely this is is this is one to get this is this is a fantastic show um i just want to thank you both for coming on sharing your stories and you know being a friend to the show and i know i i go to you guys a lot for uh you know just looking looking to do shows and and looking for content and things like that and uh uh thank you guys for for you know being patrons and and being a part of it
4: uh, this is a great idea randy i like to brian and i on and and getting different takes on our uh, our experience so that was a fantastic idea
5: yeah very cool uh fun to always talk to you guys uh about pearl jam and thanks for doing the show
3: yeah, Absolutely. great stories thanks a lot yeah
0: yeah yeah your stories are that's that's what we're here for we're here for to hear it from the horse's mouth the, the guys that step foot in the arena that day, and you guys, uh, you guys painted the picture perfectly. So uh, thanks so much. And Brian, you've done one. Sean, we got to get you in. We got to get you in a setlist draft. Would you want to do the August setlist draft? I'm putting you on I, the spot here.
4: I hey, I'm always down for it. To, uh, you know, just get my uh, schedule set, but I'm definitely down for doing it, Randy.
0: Awesome, awesome. So okay, we'll 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 talk. We'll discuss that. Let me know. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. This is this is great. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, no. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, that was Brian and Sean, and they had awesome experiences at this past show. And and look, you know, night threes you don't get them very often. So when when you go and and you're there for the whole week, and uh, that that's that's got to be the one that you're most excited for. And it seemed like they. They had a lot of great memories that they brought to the table. So thanks again to them uh, for for coming on. And uh, it, again, if you guys want to chime in and you want a show for us to cover, head on over to Patreon. Become a patron. And you get so much. You get to come on the show. Pick an episode that you want to cover any any era. It, it might not even be a show that you went to. It could be something that you love from 93 if you wanted to. We'll cover it. Just give us the bootleg and make sure it has a bootleg. We'll do it. We'll do anything, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: But, yeah, so that's our package over at Patreon. Again, we have all the extra stuff over there with Bridge School, Evolution episodes, all that stuff. So you're getting so much, and we're going to try to make more masks and send out more masks. So uh, head on over there if uh, that's all things that you're interested in. So... John anything else uh, should we tee him up for a little bit of what's coming next week we're going back around the world
3: Yeah let's do it where where right. back. we still got some Europe left right
0: We do yeah uh it feels like the the never ending tour of Europe uh but we have to we have to hit up Great Britain you know it, it's just we we just got to do it and um Uh, next week we're going to go to England and we are going to do a very unique show from 93. It's a year that we haven't touched up on a lot. You know, this is pre versus this is the summer. So a lot of these songs are brand new, like go and animal and uh, I believe they played Blood that night. So there's a lot of good stuff. This is uh, Brixton Brixton Academy. They There were two two nights they did back-to-back, so we're going to do the second night, uh, July 14th. I think this was a pretty popular bootleg that was passed around at the time.
3: Oh, yeah, and I'm definitely excited to get back into the 90s. It feels like it's been forever since we've done it, one, so that'll be a lot definitely
0: of fun. Has. It definitely has. Yeah, yeah, we can just go back and just you know, just pine on on just how raw things sounded back then and you know, we've we've done so much 2016, 2018, 2006 recently that uh, it's definitely gonna it's it's gonna be an explosion when, when we when we uh, when we cover it and talk about it next week. But also we're kinda gonna give you like a two for one because we're gonna do something else on Patreon. We are gonna do another England episode it's 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 actually going to be their first ever show that they did in Europe it, at South End. I think the date is uh, February third, ninety two, and it was their first time overseas. So we're going to kind of dig into that. That's going to be a, a Patreon episode where uh, that that should be really exciting just to see where the band's mindset was at that time because they were about to like in the middle of just absolutely exploding.
3: Yeah, I mean you could feel it in the in the songs at that point. They were. They were just about to break, and it's it's an exciting time. Yeah, that's going to be a good one.
0: Yep, so good stuff next week. A lot of throwbacks to the early 90s and the rest of the month. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to the 2000s, and then we'll go back to the 90s a little bit, and uh, there'll be some uh, special stuff thrown in there. So uh, let's uh, let's say goodbye for the day this may be the end we're here but not for much longer although we may be parting ways i miss you already and i miss you always for myself and john and our guests our patrons sean and brian for san francisco night three we will see you
3: next week looks like there's room for all of us all of us apart good evening